Medical devices are increasingly becoming smart devices that are embedded with IT components and are networked enabled. This creates cybersecurity risks for healthcare organizations. I'm Marianne Kolbasuk McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Sharon Finney, Corporate Data Security Officer at Adventist Health System, which has 44 hospitals and many other healthcare facilities. She will discuss how her organization deals with medical device security. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Marianne. To start, what sorts of security risks do medical devices pose to your organization and why? Well, I think it's important to note the evolution that's occurred in in medical devices over the last 10 years is that normally we're not really actually dealing with a single medical device or even a, a standalone medical device any longer is that these come in as medical device systems now, um, either as uh, individual smart devices that communicate back to a central um, a control workstation or a control server environment um, or storage mechanism and then communicate to the electronic health record or they come in smart enough to communicate directly to the electronic health record. So you were very correct in your introduction when you talked about how these devices today are, they're no longer really just devices. They are very purpose-built smart computer systems. So how does your organization mitigate security risks posed by medical devices? And are different medical devices handled differently? And what are those risks? In this instance, First off, we uh, mitigate security risk posed by medical device systems in the same way that we do any other system that is going to come in and ride our network, uh, store, process, or transmit electronic protected healthcare information, or interface with our electronic health record system. So we view these devices and these device systems no differently than we do any application or network device or other thing that may come into our environment. So with that, are different kinds of medical devices handled differently? Definitely, because no two medical device systems are are necessarily exactly alike. Different systems, depending on how they're designed, architected, deployed on your network, represent different risks to the environment. So we actually analyze each system as it comes through our door. Uh, We have a very formalized uh, security questionnaire that we ask the vendors to complete. Not all questions apply to, you know, all vendor systems, but it's a good mix of that. And then we have certain standards that we like for the vendors to be able to adhere to when they are going to be placing things on our network. When they can't adhere to those standards for could be any number of reasons, then we have a set of established what we call compensating controls that we try to put around these various systems to, again, continue to minimize the risk not only to our environment from maybe a security control that they cannot meet, but also to protect that system that in some cases can be very important to uh, clinical care. How do you handle medical device operating system patches and anti-malware? There seems to be some confusion on whether or not end users or hospitals or healthcare organizations can make these changes to these devices after they've been approved by FDA. 
you know, there's always been confusion, I think, around this point. And so I did a great deal of research um, uh, about two years ago on this particular topic just so I had my arms wrapped around it. And um, FDA certification by uh, biomedical uh, device vendors is a very expensive and time-consuming process. There's absolutely no doubt that it's a very costly process for them. And historically, a lot of vendors, when they took their medical device systems through the certification process, did not do that with antivirus uh, malware, uh, malware protection installed when they were going through the testing process. And that can have a significant impact on whether or not um, that uh, software could be loaded after the fact to that device. I think most of your major biomedical vendors have probably overcome this issue or are prepared to work with the hospital or the healthcare entity in how they deal with it. This is a topic that we generally try to cover with the particular biomedical uh, device manufacturer uh, early on in the process of adopting their particular systems in our environment is we have a discussion with them up front um, that talks about how do we ensure that these devices are um, as protected as they can be. We definitely don't want to violate any kind of FDA certification any more than the vendor does. So, um, you know, so we want to make sure that we work very closely with those manufacturers to understand who's going to patch what, how frequently our devices patch, so that I, from a security perspective, or I say I, my team, can interpret where there is going to be potential risk. Um, if they don't load critical security patches to a hardened OS device within 60 days of the device coming out, I know that I've got some vulnerability there. Therefore, again, I'm going to apply different compensating controls around that particular system to mitigate that risk as much as I can. Um, you know, we and we continue to work very closely um, with our medical device uh, suppliers to work through the problems and issues of maintaining these devices on our network in a safe and a secure manner. How do you secure and monitor user access to these medical devices? It really, for the most part, the access to the medical device itself is generally, not, it's not always a user-driven access. Okay, so again, it depends on the particular medical device and the system and the architecture of it. Um, in some cases, we may have a um, console system where um, many medical devices of a particular type are going to report back to a centralized uh, console with a piece of software that actually comes from the uh, medical device manufacturer where we may have to create user IDs and passwords. We generally like to use individuals within the specific departments that manage these systems, so lab, pharmacy, is we will designate a, a liaison or a subject matter expert in that particular department that will help us manage creating user IDs, deleting user IDs, or terminating access when it's no longer necessary. Wherever possible, of course, we want uh, the software that comes into our environment to be LDAP compliant so that we can control it through active directory groups that adhere to our automated provisioning and deprovisioning. But that's not always possible. So if it's not, then we will manage it in a one-off fashion um, with the particular department that is going to be utilizing the system because nobody knows better when users are going to come on and when they're going to come off 
uh, more so than the department that um, is actually running the software. As far as auditability, most of the systems that we um, are bringing in today, we try to ensure that they have min at least minimal audit capabilities uh, that adhere to the current regulatory standards if they're going to be storing electronic protected health information. Now, a lot of times, they will not store extensive amounts of the information, and they don't retain it for long periods of time. So that sort of has a little bit of a different maybe audit requirement or um, retention of logs requirement than a system like a full-blown EHR that's going to be retaining huge amounts of information. Since many medical devices are mobile and they are moved around patient rooms, how do you keep track of these devices? We're actually looking at a couple of different technologies. Of course, you know, RFID um, tracking. Um, I, I don't think there's any hospital today that doesn't have a very large um, wireless presence, wireless network presence in their facility. So we're actually looking at how we use that uh, wireless network and um, um, RFID tagging or other tagging that we can use to do asset control and maintenance in the environment. Now, you mentioned how you work with medical device vendors. How would you suggest that these vendors improve the security of their products overall? I think they just need to continue down the path that they're on today, which, I mean, I've seen with some of the most recent acquisitions that we've done of wireless pumps, um, IV pumps, and, you know, smart pumps and things like that, where I've really seen the vendors are moving down the path of considering security in their design and architecture. As I stated, that process for them to become um, FDA approved and, and FDA certified from a medical device perspective is a very long and arduous process. And I do see them starting to build that in. Um, I would say probably if I had some suggestions for them, it would be to maybe better engage their user community to get feedback on what some of the most common security standards and practices are um, in the marketplace that they serve uh, and to get, you know, just continue to get better feedback from us, continue to engage us in that process. And I think over time we'll see it continue to improve as it has in the last five years. What do you think regulators such as the FDA can do to improve the security of medical devices? I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a huge proponent of, of regulating the things that we should do just because they're the right thing to do. But I do think sometimes it's necessary to put a framework around what would be expected or be the minimum necessary, okay, which is a great word that came out of HIPAA. Um, so I think, you know, if they were to develop some minimum necessary security requirements that would be tested through the process, of uh, the FDA certification. So not only do you have to make a medical device that is serves its purpose within a reasonable uh, test, but also are you creating that, that medical device to serve its purpose and do that in a secure manner. So I think if they, they put some minimum baseline security standards around medical device systems, then um, I, I think that would help. But I'm not sure that I would want to see them regulate down to the every bit and bite of what might be necessary in a particular system uh, because the manufacturers have to be allowed some flexibility in their design and their architecture uh, to build some of these devices and to continue to improve them.
Thanks, Sharon. I've been speaking to Sharon Finney. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.